Good morning. I invite you, if you would, to uh, open up your Bibles or turn them on if you have one of those devices. Or if you'd rather not, I think the pew number or the Bible, pew Bible numbers on the screen or will be. Um, I'd like to read from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12, just to bring our minds all together today as we start a new series, Essentials for Disciples, in a letter to 2 Timothy, beginning at verse 8 of chapter 1. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Lord Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, That is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Powerful words. Banning Liebscher, you don't maybe know him, he's on a Q Idea broadcast and I wanted to show you his 18 minute video today, but this is a bad venue because it would be better to do it together in a small group around a coffee table or a living room setting and then talk about it. But the question that he asked and I want to ask today is, what inspired you? What grabbed your heart that caused you to believe and follow Christ? What caused you to put your hand on the plow? You know, that's a picture that Jesus gave to someone who said, I'll follow you wherever you want to take me to, Jesus. But he said, first let me go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Where were you? I hope you have chosen to put your hand to the plow. Maybe it's been recently that God's grace has gotten into your life and heart and you realized that you needed forgiveness and you said, yes, I'll follow. Maybe it happened when you were young. But I know if it happened when you were real young, it was sometime along the way when you got older that that truth of salvation that only can be had through Jesus Christ gripped your heart again and you said, yes, I am going to commit myself to you fully. Maybe you did that and life's bumps and scars and bruises have kind of put water on the fire. Or maybe you haven't made that decision yet. You haven't committed for whatever reason, but what Jesus is telling us and what he's asking us to do is not only hard and costly, it's impossible. Unless he's present. And that's where I come back to Banding Liebscher because he asked this question, it's a quote, 
Whoop, I turned my page too quick. There it is. God does not live in the realm of statistics and probability. A bad plan with God is better than the best strategy without God being present. So in this time of transition, Grace Chapel, in this time of revisioning, of regrouping, I want you to know that we have cause to be bold in the name of Christ and to move forward because God makes possible what we cannot do, and we need to be more prayerful and dependent. Planning is smart. As a matter of fact, it's in the very center of God's will for us to think and to plan and to, and to look at statistics and to understand, but we must do it with God because God's foolishness is so much higher than our best wisdom. So God the Spirit had Paul write to Timothy, who was in a bad time and a bad place when it wasn't safe to be a Christian, and he wrote these words to help him stay, keep his hand to the plow written to help our generation to keep our hand on the plow. Keep your hand on the plow. Don't look back. Boldness without fear, because God's plans and purposes are for us. Because Jesus has destroyed death, because God's grace and power has given us everything we need to proclaim Christ. Second Timothy, by the way, in six weeks, we're not going to have all the answers. This letter doesn't answer all the questions. We need to move forward, but there are great helps here to do that. So let's get into it. <laughs> Boldness, not fear, because of God's purpose, God's purpose-filled grace. Look at verses 1 through 7. I'd like to read them again, those verses real quickly. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recall, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. We can be bold in living for Christ because God has good plans for his people. Paul was an apostle by the will of God. In 1 Timothy, in his first letter, he said, by the command of God. And when you know you have been called by God, when you know it is a command of God that you are his child, then it gives you confidence to be bold and to live for Christ no matter what life is bringing your way. Paul was doing what Christ recreated him to do and to be. Not only that, but God has good plans and gifts and a spiritual heritage that he has given us so that we can be bold. And that's what Paul's reminding Timothy. Hey, Timothy, remember your, your grandmother and your mom had faith, and they passed that faith on to you. By God's grace, you've received it and believed it. So you have a, a great spiritual heritage. And remember who I am. I'm an apostle. 
I have the authority of Christ. I've been called to, to let you know, and I've encouraged you in this faith, and I know you have that faith. So, Timothy, because of that, you know who I am, you know who you are. For this reason, fan into flame the gifts, the ability that God has given you, that he's called you to do so that the gospel continues to go out. It's no accident that Paul, in his first sentence, not only mentions that he was called by God's will to be an apostle, to spread the gospel, that Jesus gives him the promise of life because Paul was in prison, and he'd been in prison again. You know, it's like, Paul, you're in prison again. Well, that's nothing new. But this time, he was confident, assured, that he was not going to be released. He was pretty, very confident that he was going to die for preaching the gospel. He's in prison, so he's reminding maybe himself, but also reminding Timothy and all other believers that there's a confidence that I have that I am a, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ who is who's given us the promise of life, so I have nothing to fear. Imprisonment and death sounds like a pretty good reason to have pause, to give you pause, to express the gifts and the gospel that God's given you, to fan it into flame because it's dangerous. But that's what he's telling Timothy to do. No, don't put out the fire. Fan into flame the gift that God has given you, even though it seems at the moment not to be very wise. No. You have a calling. calling. You have genuine faith. You have gifts. Timothy, be what God has called you to be. But how? Verse 7. For God did not give us or you, Timothy, or me, or you, a spirit of timidity, and Paul loves triplets. So here's a negative. Not a spirit of timidity. That's not true. But let me bolster you up with three truths. You have been given a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of self-discipline. That's what the Holy Spirit has given you. A spirit of power because we need it. <laughs> Prayerful dependence on God. A spirit of love because power can really go over the top, can be abused. So we need the self-controlling love, the self, the will, the love of choice, excuse me, that's agape love in the text. And a spirit of self-discipline. We can't succeed without God, and we cannot succeed if we're not willing to take action with God. God's called you. Many of you know that for sure. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Are you a child of God this morning? Let it sink in. It's not an accident. It's not because you're so smart or beautiful or you have a great family. It's because God, before the foundation of the world, 
knew you and called you to be a child of God and then to go serve him. Not only that, but he's gifted you and empowered you and blessed you. Maybe you don't have a great spiritual heritage. I just, you know, I started this series back in August. <laughs> I'm just redoing it. So if, if anybody remembers that I said this before, you've made my day. <laughs> I have a great spiritual heritage, family-wise, human-wise. But even if you don't have that, you have a spiritual heritage now. Abraham, the father of faith, is, is part of your, you're part of that family. And, and you have all these stories in the scripture of men and women who were afraid, who were being timid, and yet they heard God's call, and they believed it, and they accepted it, and they did amazing things, and that call is our call. Let it sink in. Like Paul and Timothy, we are called, we're nurtured by people of faith, we are gifted and we're empowered. That's an essential for disciples to remember. You see, it's built on God's call, not what we will power to do, but that God's will has decided for us to do. So we can be bold without fear, secondly, because of the power of the gospel. I had this, I read this today just to get our minds in tune, but I want you to know verses 8 through 12 is one sentence in the Greek. So you have to read it together. And it's this great description of the gospel. So, Timothy, because of your calling and how you're gifted it and this spiritual heritage that's a gift from God that you have, you have to fan into flame this gift. So don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. What an invitation. Let's put that up on our sign this week, Grace. Join with us in suffering for the gospel. Paul, are you crazy? But that's the invitation. We can do it by the power of God. Have you ever wondered if it was dangerous to be a Christian in the United States? If you'd cave when the pressure came on? When imprisonment, the actual loss of a job and your means of making a living and your home, losing your home, your reputation, and maybe your life, your freedom, if that was, would, would you give in? Well, Paul says, we can stand. Timothy, you can stand because of the power of God. Not trusting in your own power, but the power of God. You know what the difference is between trusting in our own willpower and determination, what it looks like, versus trusting in God's power? One example I can think of from Scripture is the disciples, and it's fun to pick on them sometimes. In Mark chapter 14, let me just read real quick. You know the situation. It's, it's in the upper room, and, and Jesus says, You will all fall away. 
For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. (laughs) And you know what happened. They failed. Self-determined, self-will. We've been here before. We have one another. We can do this. We will stand. And they were the ones who fell asleep when they were supposed to be praying in the garden. We often make the same mistake, don't we? Go to a decent church. I've got Christian friends. I participate in good Bible studies. I have personal devotions. I pray. We sing uplifting songs. But how is your soul? How is your walk with Jesus really? You know, nothing on that list that I just said was wrong. But aren't you amazed how easily we deceive ourselves that we're God-dependent? We throw a prayer at the beginning of the meeting. We throw a prayer at it at the end of the meeting. And how little we come together to pray for God's will to be done, whether it's in our own closet or when we're together. I'm guilty, and we need to change it. Are you ever appalled by your weak? prayerful dependence on God? Are you ever disturbed by it? You know, Acts chapter 2, well, maybe you don't, but the disciples were terrified and afraid and denying Jesus. But then when the Holy Spirit came, when they prayed and, excuse me, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, you realize how bold they were. And and it was incredible how they preached the gospel so boldly, even when persecution came their way. And the high school group, we just did this uh, short Bible study with Francis Chan, a video thing on prayer. And, and he talked about, you know, when they, they were boldly pr- declaring the gospel of Christ. And then there was persecution. You can read about it in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. And after the disciples, Peter and John, were told not to preach anymore, they were imprisoned and, and warned like crazy by the religious leaders not to do that. What did they do? They went back to the church and they prayed for what? For boldness. They were already bold, but they knew that circumstances were changing. They weren't depending on themselves. Oh, we've handled this. We have experience. We will get through this again. We'll be strong. No, they prayed for more boldness because they knew there were new challenges coming. Boldness. So don't be ashamed, Timothy, to testify about the Lord. Don't be ashamed of his people. I need to move on. Look at this beautiful description of the gospel. I think we overlook this powerful passage. It's not an accident that the words here in verses, uh, second part of verse 8 through verse uh, 11 are part of uh, 
parallels the letter to the Ephesians because Timothy's in Ephesus when Paul wrote 2 Timothy. Paul had spent so much time there, and it's like I'm reading Ephesians chapter 1, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 come to mind. For a grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. And if you read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, it's just all there. That we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. So here's this description of the gospel. And I just love what it says that Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death, has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I love that picture, destroyed death. Death is a destroyer, but now it's destroyed. What a wonderful picture of the gospel. There's no other gospel that declares this truth. People, we have the gospel. There is no other good news to be had except any news that comes from the gospel, the truth of God in Christ. I like it when God's people join their voices together and sing songs that declare what Jesus has done in the gospel. It strengthens my soul. It gives me all that God loved me enough to do what he did to save us. It makes me smile and shed tears when I think how deep his love is. Boy, it's good to do that, isn't it? And when you sing in the shower, because it sounds pretty good in there, too. So there's this beautiful summary of the gospel. Death is destroyed by Jesus Christ in verse 10. And then in verse 11, and of this gospel, and I told you Paul loves triplets, <laughs> I was appointed a herald, and an apostle and a teacher. So there he is. He doesn't kind of throw his weight around as an apostle first. He says, I'm a herald. I'm going out front announcing the news. I'm getting it out there, the gospel. And I've been given authority to do this, authority from the God of heaven, the Savior and Lord and King of the world has said, go, you're an apostle, you have authority, go anywhere and do this and thirdly he's a teacher so he's instructing he's guiding new believers toward maturity and godliness and and you know what else sometimes i think we miss here and this is why i'm suffering that was part of his commission too because it was part of jesus's commission to suffer so that we could could live Paul was commissioned to suffer so so the gospel could go out and i wonder if that isn't our calling as well. Well, you can peek ahead in 2 Timothy 2 or 3 and see that it is. So like Paul, we're sent. Jeremy Myers, people of Christ who are as known as Grace Chapel. This is his quote. Get that. We're the people of Christ 
We just happen to be identified as the people of Grace Chapel, but we are first the people of Christ who are known as the people of Grace Chapel. Go and do your Father's will. We may not know quite where we're going yet. doesn't matter. The details will come in place, but we know we have work to do and we can do it boldly because of the calling of God and because of the powerful gospel. There is no people, there's no culture, there's no place where the gospel cannot bring life where death is reigning. There's no school hallway or cafeteria or playing field or grocery store or neighborhood or cubicle in the office or civic group that meets where death is reigning that the gospel of light and immortality and life cannot penetrate and change. And we are sent there to do it because that's where we are right now. Are you convinced? That is why I'm suffering as I am because I'm a herald of the truth, Paul says, yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him that day. That word no there is important and we're going to come back to it, but it's the kind of no that knows because of observation. It's the kind of no that describes God's sovereign knowledge that has no gaps. It's the no that has confidence. And I love it because it says, I know whom. It's not, I know what. So his confidence is not in a doctrinal statement as important as the truth of the gospel is. But first of all, his confidence is in a person. The person of Jesus Christ, the King, the Lord. I know whom I have believed, and that truth has been planted in my heart, and I am going to take it out no matter what it costs me. Because it is true. I am convinced. Are you convinced it's true? I know most of you, many of you are, but if you are not, I challenge you to consider the truth of the gospel of Christ. Jesus looked at Martha, one of his beloved followers, at the by the graveside of her brother Lazarus and said, do you believe that I'm the Christ? And she says, yes, I know you are the Christ. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. Whoever believes in me will live even if they die. Do you believe this, Martha? And she said, yes. Have you said yes? Boldness, not fear, because of God's sovereign purposes for us. He's called us Boldness, not fear, because of the gospel that changes us. You've been transformed, haven't you? Aren't you in process? Hey, never get tired of transition. Grace Chapel, are you tired of talking about transition? Never get tired of being in transition, because if you're not in transition or being transformed, the light has gone out, the lamp, you're dead spiritually or you're in glory and there's no more transformation that needs to be done. We are in transition, so never get tired. Boldness, not fear. We have a charge to keep. 
Verse 13, what you've heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Timothy knew the power of God that could change lives. It changed his family's life. It changed his life. It changed Paul from a hater of Jesus to a lover of Jesus, an apostle of Jesus. Guard it. Guard it like the way I've guarded it. Follow the pattern, Timothy, and be exact. And then Paul gives examples of those too bad and one good example of those who were guarding the, the gospel. Look at verse 15. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Figilus and Hermogenes. Never met anybody by that name. Doesn't say they abandoned the faith, but they abandoned Paul, and it hurt deeply. Of all the of all the people, it must have surprised them the most that they had abandoned him. That they kind of were afraid of him. That they were fearful because he mentions them by name. So this was a big ouch. It's almost like he was saying, Timothy, don't, those are two negatives. You need to be bold, not fearful. And they're being fearful. They've forgotten God's purposes for them. They've forgotten the power of the gospel. They've forgotten their giftedness. They've forgotten what they were called to do. They're in danger of taking their hand off the plow or looking back. Timothy, don't be like that. Be like Onesiphorus. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because he refreshed me and was not ashamed of my change. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. He wasn't ashamed of Christ or his apostle who was in prison for preaching the gospel. He chased after me until he found me to comfort me. He had not forgotten God's purposes or the power of the gospel, and he was not ashamed of it. Which brings me back to the beginning. We can't do anything without the presence of God in our lives, being dependent on God in our lives. Because what God's asking us to do to hold on to these truths of the gospel and, and protect them and to guard them and to boldly proclaim it, even when it's dangerous, even when it's not popular, even when we're afraid to do it, he's asking us to be heralds to pass on the good news to the world. He's not here today. I wanted to give him credit, Jeff Hosan. He gave me a book. And I want to quote from it, The Out Outgrowing the Ingrown Church by C. John Miller. It's really a neat read. I've only read like a few pages, and I already got a point for a sermon, so I really like that. But, but John Miller, C. John Miller, C. period, initial John Miller, challenges us to just remember and reconsider the Great Commission. You know the Great Commission, right, you Grace Chapel people? Then Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. John Miller said he had forgotten and he needed to relook at that great commission because he saw it as this great command that he needed to do. And, and, and yeah, you, you people know what the, what, what the main action is there, right? It's to make disciples. That's the main action. In your going, in your living, make disciples. And then baptize them because they've been identified with Christ and you're identified with them. So you baptize them because they're part of this body now. And the other action you need to do is teach them to observe and obey. And, and, and John Miller says, you know, he was worried about that and driven by that, but he forgot one thing, the presence of Christ. The power that made it possible to go into all the world and preach the gospel was that I am with you always. And when we remember that he's with me, at 425 Heatherwood Road in Havertown. And when he's with you in your home room and on the playing field and in the grocery store and in the cubicle or when you're telling your employees what they need to do, that when we understand that he's with us, he will empower our kindnesses and our obedience and our words. And when we say the exact gospel in all those ways, Life will happen. Change will happen. Boldness, not fear, because God has a purpose for us. Boldness, not fear, because of the life-transforming power of the gospel. And we know it's true. We're convinced of it. Boldness, not fear, because God is with us. Amen. Men, would you come forward as we prepare to take communion and celebrate our Lord's death and remembering him as we serve him. Let's pray. Father and God, we ask you to bless your word, to give us boldness, not fear, we ask, for your honor and glory. Lord, let it be so. Amen. I'd like to read a few verses from the book of Romans that just expresses again the great news of the gospel. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Do you believe that? And if you do believe that, then we invite you to join us in this remembrance of Jesus' body, God coming in the flesh, 
to pay for our sins. It was broken. It was buried. It was raised to life. He died, and we know it because he shed his blood. And that blood is a sign that God accepted his sacrifice, that it washes away our sins and only through his blood. The true lamb, the lamb that all the lambs that were slaughtered in the Jewish temple and the tabernacle years before were pointing to. The lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. If you believe that today, then I invite you, celebrate that with us. Declare him to be your Lord and Savior. If you haven't yet made that decision, then I ask you today to ponder what it means to be a follower of Christ and to investigate it. And if you haven't believed, then don't take communion. Don't pretend what's not true, but instead consider who Jesus is and believe and then partake when you're truly a follower of him. Followers of Christ, today we recommit ourselves to this Savior, to this gospel, to this good news, to his calling in our lives, to be his people, his kingdom workers in a world that needs to taste the kingdom of God.